0: Well, good morning, North Boulevard. Thanks for joining us this morning. When George Floyd was killed several weeks ago, my good friend, Kelvin Teemer, and I decided we ought to exchange pulpits as a sign of solidarity and love between our congregations. Kelvin preaches for the Boulder Crest Church of Christ in Atlanta. I asked Kelvin to speak on the subject of race, and I asked him to be pretty straight up with us because a lot of us need to hear his voice so we can understand what many of our black brothers and sisters and just American citizens have experienced and what they've felt through the years. His sermon will give us a chance to ask questions. How can we be a biblical Christ-like voice in the middle of um, injustice and also just disharmony and a divided America? So I'm proud of Calvin, and I'm happy that we get to hear him preach today. So I'm excited to introduce to you my brother, Calvin Temer. Good morning, North Boulevard. It is an honor for me to be with you all again Uh, This time a little differently than than the last time. I I think I preached uh, there uh, physically uh, in last April or so. And who would have thought that we would be meeting again like this uh, the next time I was privileged to speak before you. But here we are. And uh, and God is still on the throne and God is still uh, working it out for each and every one of us. I'm actually preaching to you from uh, the lobby of our uh, church building uh, here in Atlanta. This is really where I do most of my sermons nowadays uh, for our church. And uh, and so I'm, I'm thankful that, that David uh, reached out to me. Uh, and we're actually switching virtual pulpits. By the time this airs for you, uh, David will have already spoken for us. And we would have had the, the great honor at uh, learning God's word uh, at, at his feet. Um, but uh, today, uh, I'm happy to be here with you. David, I hope you know what you have in David. David is one of the most brilliant, gifted, uh, and loving preachers that I know. He's a great preacher, but I can honestly say that, that he's a, a much better man, a much better disciple uh, of Jesus Christ. And, and, uh, and I get a chance to learn uh, from him uh, from afar. Uh, I asked David to come to Atlanta come to Atlanta and to speak virtually on an important subject that we, we are working through in Atlanta as uh, a sermon series that, that we're doing. Um, but he has asked me to speak on a, a kind of a totally different subject. a subject that is really quite sensitive and it's a subject that I want to humbly seek to approach uh, today. Uh, it's um, has to do with race, and it has to do with the church. And it has to do with the world. And I say it's sensitive because really the, the, the church doesn't really speak about it a lot. We don't speak about it uh, in the settings of our assemblies, the settings of a class, the settings of a small group. We It's something that we don't typically speak about. The world typically... Guides the narrative, controls the narrative about race, but really the church, in my opinion, should be leading the discussion. And if we do speak about it, we're not going to speak about it like we're speaking about it today. Uh, and it's really kind of strange. It, it, and if I must be honest with you, uh, it's, it's kind of strange for me to speak about the subject of race uh, being a, an African-American man speaking about the sensitive subject of race to a predominantly Caucasian congregation. It might be kind of strange for you, a a predominantly white congregation, to hear an African-American man speak to you about the subject of uh, race. But I'm happy that, David, and I'm happy that your shepherds have deemed it necessary that a conversation like this take place from the pulpit. That we, as a church body, that we're comfortable being uncomfortable with the subject of race. Because what we really wanna be, we really wanna be biblical. And we wanna do things the way the Bible says that we should do them. We wanna be and model and follow the pattern of the church that we see in scripture. And if we look in the scriptures and we're gonna be biblical, then we see a conversation taking place scripturally that we all need to be having today. We have to, we have to look at things differently. And so for the next few minutes, I don't want you to see me as an African-American man speaking about the subject of race to a predominantly Caucasian congregation. And I'm not gonna view this as a situation where a predominantly Caucasian congregation is listening to an African-American man speak about the subject of race. I want us to look at things the way the the Apostle Paul would have had us look at things in Galatians chapter number three. And and I wanna invite you there, and and I'm, I'm typically kind of an expository preacher, I, I kind of look at a text and we, we, we kind of break it down, break down words, break it down verse by verse. That's kind of typically how I preach to my church today. We're going to kind of take this topic and we're going to look at it uh, around what Scripture says of the topic so that we might be able to walk away different, so that we might be able to walk away changed, uh, so that we might be able to walk away uh, further enhanced with a conversation about a conversation that we all need to have. As you turn there, as you go there, I wanna invite you to join me in prayer. Dear God, Father, right now, we are about to tackle a, a, a subject that is is quite difficult, a subject that is quite sensitive in our country, uh, in this world that we live upon. Dear God, we We're asking for your guidance. We're asking that your word would come alive to us in a fresh way. Father, that we're able to see what you have said long ago. Dear God, not only that we might see it, but that we might be able to understand and understand your word, understand one another. And dear God, that then we might be able to see how we might be able to apply how we might be able to obey what you have written down, what you've allowed to have been written down so long ago. Let your Holy Spirit be our guide as we read, as we study, and as we meditate. Dear God, drown out the distractions of our mind, drown out our own voices, our own presuppositions. And dear God, let us just hear. Let us just hear from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here's what Paul wrote to uh, the Galatians in Galatians chapter number three, verse number 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. For the apostle Paul, the blood of Jesus Christ has created one new humanity, Ephesians chapter 2, 13 and 14, so that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is not this division of male and female in the sight of king jesus what we are we are one one in christ jesus the blood of jesus christ the cleansing waters of baptism has made us one there is in other words one new humanity in the church there is no, in, in our context, there is really no black church, and there really is no white church, and there really is no Latino church. There really is no Asian church, no male nor female. We're just baptized believers in Christ Jesus in one church so let's not look at this as a conversation between a black man and a predominantly white congregation let's look at it like the the way the apostle paul would have us to look at it we're one church we're one we're this church or at least we should be that church see the chaos in the world today the chaos in the world today they they need this church And notice I said this church, not just a church, not just a church which will approach the chaos in the world, the the racial chaos in the world, not just a church who will approach that simply from time to time when the news cycle calls for it or when protests and riots erupt, not not just a church who will just kind of dance around the subject, but this church And this church always, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, nor divisions like this, this church, not just when it's cool to talk about, but this church, even when it's uncomfortable. You know what, North Boulevard, your members of different races, they need you to be this church. My members of different races, they need us to be this church. And not this church that Paul speaks about sometimes, but this church always. The world doesn't need just another church. This world that we're living in right now, they need this church. But I also see that we're kind of far away from this. But how do we get here? How do we get to the point where truly in our minds there is no Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free, no, man, no male, no female? How do we get here? Well, I have three thoughts that I want to give you today. Three thoughts that, that I believe help to further the conversation. Because I don't think this is a sermon that's gonna totally uh, change uh, the world. I don't think this is a sermon that's gonna change the way we do things all of a sudden. I think that there are further conversations that we need to have, and, and thank God that you're willing to continue these conversations. You're gonna be doing something later this week uh, that continues to further the conversation, but it has to continue. But there are three things that I wanna put on your mind today that I think help spur us on. Number one, The first thing we have to do if we're going to be kind of like this church here in in Galatians, if we're going to be this, the first thing we have to do is we have to realize that there is a problem. Number two, we have to energize our love for oppressed people. And then thirdly, we have to mobilize for King Jesus. We've got to realize we must energize and we have to mobilize. And I think that that kind of spurs us on to being like the church we read of in scripture. But the first thing, to impact the world, you have to first realize the problems of the world. And and there is, as as we have been charged to make disciples of all people groups, the people groups that in the world that we're going out into there's a problem that's out there especially within our country the country that you love the country that i love there's a problem that's out there and in order to impact the world we first must realize what the problem is in acts chapter number 17 we read of paul's travels uh, to athens and in Acts 17 uh, beginning at verse number 16 paul does something uh, as he is in Athens as he is as he is waiting for Silas and Timothy the word says now while paul was waiting for them at athens his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols so he reasoned in the synagogue with the jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there some of the epicurean and stoic philosophers also converse with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others says, others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection back in verse number 22 down in verse number 22. So Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. Before Paul began to proclaim Jesus, before he began to proclaim something that would be different, I I get the sense that Paul walked around and he understood the problems of the city, the problems of the area, and the the problems were that they were worshiping many foreign gods. This was the problem. Before Paul could really give the solution, he first observed the problem. Before we work on really what the solution is in our country and even in Our churches we first must acknowledge that there is a problem the real problem in this country or one of the problems in this country there is a real racial and oppressive problem within this country and let me tell you North Boulevard some of your members feel it they have felt it and they will feel it again in the future Those of whom you seek to make disciples in Murfreesboro and abroad, they feel it. And the church must know it, must understand it, must realize it. And this problem, it reveals itself from time to time. It erupts from time to time, but it's really something that is embedded into the very fabric of our great country. It revealed itself in the, the murder of George Floyd. It revealed itself in the shooting of Breonna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky. It revealed itself in the hunting down of Armad Arbery here in Georgia. And most recently, it revealed itself when Richard Brooks was killed after he was shot in the back, after he was asleep in a Wendy's drive through. But those are just recent events. I could also t- tell you about Trayvon Martin years ago. I could tell you about Eric Garner, who uh, said, I can't breathe over and over and over again as he was in a chokehold in the streets of New York. I could go back to the early nineties and talk about Rodney King. There is a real problem And often when people who are responsible for these deaths are seemingly brought to justice, justice is not served. I could take you back to the 1950s and uh, the the murder of Emmett Till. When Emmett Till, after he was taken from a home, a relative's home, uh, killed, mutilated, shot in the head, uh, beaten, uh, a- after this, the the two, the two men who were responsible for his death, they were acquitted. And later, in a magazine article, they admitted to doing it, but no one could do anything about it. But they were acquitted. I can tell you about the, the the story of Medgar Evers when he was killed. After he was killed, his killer was not brought to justice. Until 31 years later, I could bring up, uh, of course, about Rodney King and how those the, the officers, many of the officers who were responsible for doing what they did to Mr. King, they were acquitted. I could tell you about Eric Garner. Uh, the the officer that put mr garner in an illegal chokehold after mr garner continued to say i can't breathe i can't breathe i can't breathe this officer was not fired by the force until five years after eric garner died I could tell you about George Zimmerman who killed Trayvon Martin, him getting off. I could tell you story after story after story after story. And those stories only uh, highlight a greater problem that happens within our country regarding race. North Boulevard, there is an issue of systemic racism that is being felt by people of color all over this country and within the walls of your sanctuary. We have some systems and we have some institutions which produce racially disparate outcomes regardless of the intention of the people who are working within law enforcement. It's why African-Americans are incarcerated in state prisons at five times, five times the rate of whites why Latinos are incarcerated at one and a half times the rate of whites. It's why in, uh, uh, in 12 states, more than half of the prison population is black. It's why in 11 states, at least one in 20 of adult black men are in prison. One in 20. This systemic racism has been embedded in the country since slavery. It morphed into the Jim Crow South. And it is now in this era of what is typically called mass incarceration. I want to tell you, North Boulevard, any type of racism, systemic racism, whatever you might label the racism, any type of racism is evil. It is ungodly and it begs for this church it begs for it but sometimes if I can be honest the church has been culpable the church has been culpable even in our fellowship within the churches of Christ I've seen it I felt it and so have others back in the 1960s there was a congregation here in atlanta church of christ where it was predominantly caucasian blacks would come from time to time but when they came they had to sit in the balcony they couldn't sit with the rest of the church they had to sit in the balcony Now, these were people, these were our brethren who uh, claimed to be uh, speaking where the Bible spoke and silent where it was silent to call Bible things by Bible names. But this was something what Paul was speaking about in Galatians chapter three and Ephesians chapter number two, that that wasn't being applied. I've seen it where I've gone and visited predominantly white congregations. And and I was basically interviewed at the door before I could even come in and, and sit down. I've been some to some other predominantly white congregations where I walked in. There is one, and it's not even too far from you. It's, it's, it's not in Murfreesboro, but it's not too far from Murfreesboro. I went in and really no one spoke to me. There were some people but hardly any of them spoke to me and now they 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 might have been having a bad day but you the thought that went in my mind was is it because i'm black is it because i'm black that 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 problem extends outwardly even into modern day society just outside of the walls of the church i i walked into A comic book store here in Atlanta with my son and we were the only ones in the store except for the white employees the white employees would not come and even ask us you know do you need any help how's your day none of that they just ignored us now Maybe it's because they didn't have good customer service. You might say, well, I might have thought that until some white customers came in. And when the white customers came in, it's almost as if they broke their necks trying to help them, trying to offer them service. And so finally, me and my son left and my son said, why are we leaving, Dad? And then I had to explain, well, son, I I don't know if they really wanted us there. That's 2020 or 2019. That's the 21st century. That's not Jim Crow South, but it's still embedded in our society. And you know what that calls for? It begs for the church. We can't ignore it. We must realize that that is a problem, and now we must work at overcoming it but we won't work at overcoming it unless we energize our love for oppressed people, whether they're different skin color, whether they're different nationality. We must develop a love for oppressed people because God's eyes and God's love. Biblically, they it shows us that, that those, his eyes and his love are on those who are dealing with oppression. In Exodus chapter number one, we see that Israel is facing an issue of oppression from uh, Egypt. And in verse number 18 or verse number uh, eight of uh, Exodus chapter number uh, one, They, they built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their, la- their lives bitter with hard service in mortar in brick and in all kinds of work in the field. And in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. And then in chapter number two, verse number 23, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, And with Jacob, God saw the people of Israel and God knew God saw their oppression. It's got to lead me to believe that God sees the oppression in the world today. He saw it with Israel, even through Israel's cycles of sin that they would go in. In the period of the judges, they would call out and cry out and God would hear And God would deliver or send a deliverer, even in the periods of Babylonian and Assyrian and Roman oppression, God's eyes and his love was upon Israel. King David, when he was recounting the wonderful deeds of God, of Jehovah, recognized the character of Jehovah in in the, the ninth division, ninth verse of the book of psalms the lord is a stronghold for the oppressed a stronghold in times of trouble shouldn't the church today represent that type of love shouldn't the church have the love of god in their hearts today and the eyes of god shouldn't they be the very eyes of the lord in the world today See, oppression. Once you realize oppression and you have love for the oppressed, it should give birth to to some sort of action. When Israel went through their various waves of oppression, what it made them do is it made them long for something different, long for a time when that would not be the case, made them long for a king made them long for a kingdom and made them long for messiah and made them long ultimately for jesus jesus in the book of luke chapter number four in verse number 16 luke writes about a time that jesus entered into the synagogue as was his custom Uh, and he stood up to read in verse number 17 and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, chapter four. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Jesus read these words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was speaking about himself. He was speaking about the fact that as Messiah, he had come to proclaim good news to the poor. As Messiah, he had been sent to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who had been oppressed. And now we are the people of his kingdom. Now we are the people who say that Jesus is Lord and King. We are the people of King Jesus. We are the people of Jesus' deliverance, his salvation, his peace, his justice, and his freedom. We are people who are pledged to live by the Lord's kingdom ethics. And let me tell you, North Boulevard, what is happening to black people? and brown people to people of color in this country is totally against the ethics of the kingdom. For God so loved this world that he gave us King Jesus because he had a love for the world. His love must be our love. We must develop that type of love for People Now, you, you might hear people say the expression black lives matter, and you might say, well, really all lives matter. But yes, all lives matter. And if we say all lives matter, then doesn't that mean that black lives matter? They matter to God and they've got to matter to us. The lives of the oppressed have to matter to us because they matter to God. Realize. Energize, and now we must mobilize we must speak out we must speak up and we must mobilize for the king now when I say speak out and speak up I'm not saying that you have to go join a protest or start a protest but you've got to allow kingdom ethics to be within the fabric of the church you've got to allow kingdom ethics to be what the church is about and when you see injustice and you see racism, you know, those are against kingdom ethics and the church must respond. But we almost we, we always need to be in the state of preaching that. See, what's going on right now in, in many churches, we are reacting to what's happening in the world. But we always need to be on the offensive because this this needs to be something we're talking about all of the time. So, I want to end this lesson by giving you five methods of what I call mobilization. Five methods of mobilization. Number one is this here's what we need to do now. Number one, we need to strive for kingdom unity. We need to strive for kingdom unity. White, black, uh, brown, whomever, we need to strive for kingdom unity. All races, all nations living according to the unified pattern we see in Scripture, kingdom unity. In Philippians chapter number two, verses one through five, Paul writes, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Let us be of such a mind and a spirit for unity that we're not looking out just for our own selves, but we're looking out for the lives of someone else, and that we're all accord, all operating in the same mind, same spirit of unity regarding that. Be intentionally diverse because if we're not intentionally diverse, we will be unintentionally segregated. Here's the second thing. Number two, develop a kingdom perspective. A kingdom perspective. See, really, Our citizenship, though we pledge allegiance to the United States, uh, pledge allegiance to the flag, pledge allegiance uh, to the liberty in the United States. Our first allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And so develop a kingdom perspective in all that we do. Philippians chapter number three and verse number 20. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our king is Jesus and what he says goes and how he lives should be modeled and the ethics that he championed should be our ethics. We pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God first. Here's number three, use a kingdom voice. Use a kingdom voice. Here's what I mean by that. First Timothy two, one through three. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, Intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Use your voice in prayer about not only this country but about our government about our leading officials uh, about the system uh, about your brothers or your sisters about those who are being oppressed those who are uh, that actually have uh the foot of society on them i want you to pray for them use your kingdom voice and when you see the world operating in a way outside of what Jesus would call for, we say something. We say something through our prayers. We say something through our vote. We say something. Use your kingdom voice. Here's number four. See with kingdom eyes. See with kingdom eyes. I want you to see the image of God in all people. See the image of God in all people. That's what we must do. That's what we all must do see God's image in all people. God desires that all people would be saved. But here's the last thing, and and here's the, the main thing. This is the thing we really need to do first, even though I'm listening at last. Make kingdom disciples, make kingdom disciples. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe that all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We are to go to all people groups, make disciples of all people groups. When we see injustices, see it as an open door to make kingdom disciples. You know, you might, you might feel oppressed here, but let me tell you about a different kingdom. You might feel the strain of society here now, but let me tell you about a different kingdom. Let me tell you about a a different king. You might like the president. You might not like the president. uh, Whomever it is, whomever it is next year, we serve a different king. Let me tell you about him. Man will, it's going to be difficult for man to always be just. But it's not hard for King Jesus to be just make kingdom disciples. But before we make one, we have to make sure that we are one. And so North Boulevard, we have a lot of work. All of us do. We have a lot of work to be where we're supposed to be. And to get there, to do something so difficult, we cannot rely upon our own selves. We must rely on God. We must rely on He who said, I'm going to be right there as you go about making kingdom disciples and then i believe we can be the living embodiment of what paul wrote in galatians chapter number three i believe we can be the living embodiment of what john wrote down in revelation seven and nine after this i looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Let's continue the conversation so we can look exactly the way King Jesus would have us to look may god bless you may he keep you may you keep striving to make disciples of jesus christ